Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 56 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Seasoned Athlete is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today's guest has a remarkable story about facing your fears, coming back to a sport you once loved, and truly living your passion. Her name is Karen Putz, and she's a barefoot water skier. An injury took away her hearing and sidelined her for years until she made a bold decision to come back. Not only did she return to a sport she loved, but she is now helping others discover and embrace their own passions. Karen and I share some very similar philosophies, and she drops a ton of knowledge in our interview. So let's get to it. Here is a woman who literally walks on water, Karen Putz. Hi, Karen. Hey there. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Hey, I'm totally ready. I'm really excited about this. I'm excited you're here as well. You are Karen Putz of Naperville, Illinois, also known as the Passion Mentor. You're the author of several books, including Unwrapping Your Passion, a book that shakes up the status quo of aging and redefines the barometer of living a passionate life. Concepts we can definitely get behind here at the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. You are also a barefoot water skier with a remarkable comeback story, which has led you on a quest to barefoot water ski in all 50 states. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? I think you covered it really well. I should probably add that um, my entire family is staff, and I also have a 13-year-old dog who is now going deaf. The dog, too? My goodness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The dog just wants to be like everybody else, you know? (laughs) Definitely. From here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I am actually 53 years old and loving it. 53 and loving it. And I know that your mission is similar to mine about embracing the age you're at now and making the absolute most of it. So I love your attitude about your age because I think we're just super aligned on that. Absolutely. But I should share that when I was 44, I didn't have this vision at all. I thought 44 was old. So I definitely want to get into what changed and we will get into that. But I want to go back in time. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, were you athletic growing up? Did you play sports when you were a kid? I was actually, mom, I loved riding my bike when I was a kid. And I discovered water skiing at the age of nine. And that was my big sport. Then I swam on the swim team in high school. And then in college, I played volleyball. Okay. And then... You st- so you were water skiing when you were nine years old, which it's interesting because when I was young, that was the only sport I played. Like I went to a summer camp when I was a kid and we rode horses during part of the day and we water skied during the other part of the day. And I got really, really into it. I got pretty good at it. Um, 
which is fascinating for me because I was never an athlete and I never really pursued sports. But for a period of time in my life, water skiing was the thing. So you are the first water skier that I'm even talking to on this show. So I just think it's cool that you were doing that at such a young age and that you're doing it now. Um, So you played a variety of sports through school, through high school, through college. You found your way back to water skiing. How did that happen? Let's see. Well, at the age of 44, I was sitting at the ball. This was literally the day before my 44th birthday. I tried barefoot water skiing gun, and I couldn't get my feet anywhere near the water. It had been more than 20 years since I took a fall um, while barefoot water skiing, and I became deaf. So tell me about that. Let's go back to that for a second, because... You had been water skiing before your 40s, right? And then you had an accident. Right. I actually picked up the sport as a teenager. And then one day um, I turned across the wake and I fell. And when I got into the boat, I had become deaf. I grew up hard of hearing, but at that point I became deaf. And as you can imagine, it was life changing. It was a kind of dark time in my life at that point. I abandoned the sport. I met my husband. We played volleyball. And we ended up getting married, having three kids. And life just, you know, was good, but it just got into a routine. So by the time I was 44, I was kind of like missing the sport and thinking, oh, my gosh, it's too late. I am too old. Which is a story that a lot of probably 40-something women say to themselves. And I say women because I think... This is a story that women say to themselves more than men do. I'm sure some men do, but I know that the narrative is is repeated to women that when you're beyond a certain age, that certain things are just beyond your reach, that it's too late. Uh, And it sounds like that's what you were feeling when you were in your 40s, when you considered picking the sport up again. Yes, I was definitely feeling like it was too late. I got really lucky, though. My husband saw a link on a Today Show segment featuring a 66-year-old woman barefoot water skiing. And I was doing the math at that point and watching this woman barefoot water ski across the TV and thinking, oh, my gosh, I am only 44. Right then and there, my whole perspective of what it meant to grow older completely shifted. Because somebody else was older than me and doing something that I once loved to do. Right. And I hear this story a lot from the listeners of this show because we interview people, you know, ranging the minimum age is 40. And I have interviewed people up to age 92 so far on this show. And I'm hoping to interview people older than that. But when I when I hear back from listeners it's like oh I thought I was old and then I heard of this you know 60 something 70 something 80 something year old person doing these remarkable things and it's like oh I'm only just beginning like I have so much time ahead of me to do these remarkable feats in my life Uh, so it sounds like that's the perspective shift that you had and all you needed was to see somebody who was older than you doing what you love to do but didn't think you could anymore it's true, but I also tell people that if somebody hasn't done it, maybe you have to be the one that leads the way. I mean, somebody's got to be out there 99 and barefooting. Somebody has to be 100 and doing a marathon. Yes. So yeah. we should be encouraging people to dig deep into their passion and just 
throw that H stuff out the window. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So let's go back to you getting back in the water at age 44. Um, now you had it. How old were you when you had the accident that that fully took away your hearing? I was 19 when that happened. So you were very young. And just to recap, your whole family has been deaf or hard of hearing. So is that you there's a hereditary thing in your family. Um, but it, but from what I read about you, it seems that injuries like head injuries can trigger the full deafness. Is that, am I right about that? That's right. Um, the gene that we carry in our family is almost like a um, ticking time bomb gene because we never know when it's going to strike or how. I mean, I had barefoot and I had fallen two years in a row and had never affected my hearing up until that point. My older brother was 42. He was also barefoot water skiing. He took a hard fall and he became hard of hearing. It's, it's fascinating. And so going back ahead to when you were 44 and you were considering getting back in the water, did you have any fears or apprehensions that stemmed from that original accident when you were considering taking this on again? Yes, there was a little bit of that, especially, um, you know, oh, my gosh, I have a little bit of hearing left with the hearing aid. What if I fall again and I lose the last tiny bit that I have with the hearing aid? So there was a little bit of that. But there was also a fear of alligators. <laughs> okay. When I got back on the water, I was in Florida. Okay. And one of the first questions I asked was, are there alligators in this lake? And all I, I mean, Yeah. There were alligators in the lake. So for me, that has been the thing that has led to a lot of nervousness is just being in a lake and thinking, oh, my God, there's a 13-foot alligator slithering underneath me. Well, I guess it goes to show that there's always something to be scared of. Like, you know, anything you do, there's something to be scared of. And, you know, for you, it could have been, well, what if I lose the rest of my hearing? But, hey... That's nothing if there's an alligator in the water, you know, that's not a big deal if I'm dealing with alligators. And if it's not an alligator, it could be something else. But clearly you're not letting any of that stop you. That's true. And I think for a lot of people, fear, fear of the unknown or imaginary fears, that usually is the biggest thing that stops people. And so what made you then consider doing it and really and not just consider doing it, get back in the water? What made you get back in the water and decide now was the time? You know, I was, I think timing is everything. Judy Myers, the 66-year-old who was on the Today Show, she invited me to Florida. And I was just excited about the idea of just trying it again. I didn't think that I was actually going to, you know, go ahead and compete and things like that. I just wanted to put my feet back on the water one more time and see what it was like. So I really didn't have any, like, preconceived notions or um, dreams or anything at that point. It was just like, oh, I just want to get back on the water for once and see what that's like. And what was that like? It was fabulous. It was (laughs) absolutely, amazingly fabulous. Because the minute I put my feet on the water and I stood up, that was one of the minute that I felt like a teenager again. So it's like you connected with this lost part of your youth that you had put aside after the accident, kind of put in a box 
And it's like unwrapping that box again and unleashing it. Yep, absolutely. And I think for many of us, we do that. We put our passions in a box and we forget them. We put them on the shelf. We have this this idea that when we become older, we need to slow down more and we need to let go of those, you know, joyful things that we used to do when we were younger. And we really shouldn't be doing handstands because you know how silly that looks when you're 40 and doing a handstand? Right. That's what people are telling you. But you know what? You know how amazing it looks when you're 40 and doing a handstand? You know how cool it looks when you're 50, 60, 70, 80 and doing a handstand? That's the shift in thinking that I think you and I both are trying to uh, promote in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. The first time I did a handstand, that was fun, too. When did that happen? Let me think for a minute. I think I was probably maybe 46. And just impulsively one day I was like, you know, I want to do a handstand. <laughs> so I started doing them in different places, when, you know, on the beach on the side of a mountain, and it was, it's just been fun. Right. It sounds like, you know, getting back into water skiing, getting back into that barefoot skiing has really unlocked something in you that it's like, well, if I can do this, there's nothing. I, not only is there nothing I can't do, but gosh, there's so many things I want to do and that I'm going to do uh, because age doesn't define what I can and cannot do. Absolutely. I went surfing for the first time a couple of years ago. And that was fun. I mean, the board must have hit me on the head a couple of times. But then it was just so amazing to try something so different, so challenging. You are living a life of adventure, are you not? I am in many ways, but there's so many more things I want to do. Well, that's part of a life of adventure is that, you you know, there's no end to it, that you can, uh, there's always something new you can try in this world. You know, that is the best part is that, you know, like when I was 44, I was actually looking back and kind of like regretting that I didn't do more. And now that I'm at 53, I'm thinking about the years ahead and I'm like, oh, wow, I have all these years ahead to try and do things. Now, we know tomorrow is never promised us. That's why I always try to encourage people to get out there, dig deep. What are you passionate about? What brings you joy? What are you curious about? What new thing do you want to learn? And get out there and go and do it. Yeah, why wait? Yeah, tomorrow is never promised. So don't think about, well, I'm going to get to this eventually. I'll get to it when I'm retired. I'll get to it when my kids are grown. It's like, you got to get to it now. Like, why wait? Get to it now. Why wait? Yeah. So let's um, talk about your adventures now. So you are your current mission is to barefoot water ski in all 50 states. When did you decide you wanted to do that? And how is that coming along for you? A couple of years ago, I stopped competing. I competed for four years and it just wasn't fun anymore. I was in the water one day and a friend was pulling me. He was training me and I was so frustrated. I was almost crying. And he looked at me and he goes, you know what? This is supposed to be fun. And I had taken all the fun out of it. So right then and there, I was just thinking to myself, what would be fun? How can I enjoy this sport? And I came up with, oh, 50 states for my 50s. It has been such a fun adventure because I'm meeting people, new people in different states. And I'm taking my time with this and just enjoying it. 
So where have you been and uh, where have you water skied so far in this quest to, to barefoot water ski in all 50 states? I've done 17 states so far. Last year I divided them. Southwest Airlines helped me with that and it was great. This year the plan is to barefoot in Hawaii. Well, that is a really good plan. I support that plan. And uh, what's your favorite state that you've been to or your favorite lake or body of water that you have skied on so far? Oh, my gosh. I could not even pick a favorite. I really couldn't. Every single one of them has been an adventure. It has been just so amazing to meet new people and beautiful water ski in different states. I couldn't even begin to think to pick one. Because they were all really wonderful. Well, that and that's such a great attitude that it's like there's beauty in everywhere that you go, and so just the the pleasure of being in this new place and meeting new people and and getting to travel and see you know the, the some of the most beautiful places in our country because if you're if you're on a lake somewhere, chances are it's gorgeous, right? So. You know, it's such a great attitude to just be like, I'm happy wherever I am, wherever that may be. And life is an adventure. I think you put that in a really good perspective because that's what life is meant to be, to be enjoyed, to savor it and, you know, just enjoy the ups and downs. I agree so much. It's like a lot of us get lost in our day to day. I think it's so easy to get lost in just day in, day out, the same thing, the, the, the chores of life and, um, and not be able to just fully embrace it and enjoy it and know that there is adventure out there. And adventure can look a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. And it isn't necessarily climbing Mount Everest or it may not be barefoot water skiing for everybody. But there's something that will bring you joy. And that's a word I've heard you say quite a bit is joy. And so it's finding that thing, whatever that thing is for you, that's going to bring you personally joy and be adventure for you because there is something for everybody and we all need a little bit of it in our lives. That is absolutely true. And I think, you know, if you think about it, somebody gave me, I mean, let me back that up. The definition of passion is your joy. And I learned that from one of the 200 interviews, 200 plus interviews I've done. And my friend Jackie St. On said to me, passion is your joy. And if you think about it, it's really simple. A lot of us complicate, you know, what is my passion? How do I find my passion? And we make it this big, untouchable thing in our life. But in reality, it's very simple. It's your joy. It's something that you, it's personal. It's something that you, within you, have as a gift. And you have to unwrap it. Yeah. And you help people do this. And I want to talk about that a little bit. So you were known as the passion mentor. Um, Tell me how you help people unwrap their passion and find their joy. Some people see passion mentoring as life coaching. And in a sense, that's what it is. I sit down with people and I help them take the time to reflect and look within so that they can understand themselves better and get a better picture of how they want to live. And it's really simple. I don't complicate it at all. It's not a long, drawn-out process because I believe that 
we need to get on with living. Many of us live in that place of indecisiveness. I don't know what I want to do or procrastination. And if you really want to live life fully, you've got to dive in. You've got to literally say, okay, I'm curious about this. I'm going to make a commitment to learn more about it. Bam, dive into it. Can you give me an example of, say, like almost like a case study, like somebody who's come to you and they, they, they're, they were stuck in some way and, and you helped them kind of become unstuck. Do you have an example? Because I, I want to I express specifically to the people who are listening who might connect with like, this is me and I need help in this area. I have quite a few examples. I've been really fortunate ever since the book has come out. People have responded and sent emails and said, oh, my gosh, I've changed my life in this way. One that comes to mind immediately is my friend Eddie. Eddie had recently been divorced. She was very busy um, with her business, with her grandchildren. And in the whole process, she lost herself. She was reading my book and going through the passion test activities, and she said to me, you know what, Karen, I know what my passion is. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, I love to dance. But it had been years and years since she went dancing. Literally that very same week, she signed up for dance lessons. A couple of months later, her old dance partner comes back into her life. She has been dancing over a year now. She is a changed woman. So happy. And this is just a small example. We don't have to make really huge decisions. We just have to make the right decisions in the right direction for us. That's such that's so well put. The right decisions in the right directions for us. And and uh a common thread between her story and your story is some, you know, re- realizing that there was something you were once passionate about that once made you happy that you got to do and then you stopped doing. And so sometimes it's not like discovering this deep, dark thing that you didn't realize you enjoyed. Sometimes it's tapping into this thing you used to like doing all the time that for whatever reason in your life, you just stopped doing it and you forgot how much you loved it. And maybe bringing that back into your life. That's exactly it. Um, there's three clues to our passion. One of them is looking back into the past. One of them is watching your thoughts. Where, where, did you, where do your thoughts go right now? And the other one is the someday syndrome. What are you putting off for someday? What are you dreaming about? Those are three clues right there that tap into passion. That's so well put, and it's just so succinct. You either look back into your past to what did I like to do, uh, you know, paying attention to what comes into your mind, or the someday syndrome. I think so many of us have the someday syndrome that I want to do this thing. And I, I talk to people because, you know, I'm, I'm an obstacle racer, and I, I played roller derby, and I've done some really cool things. And I talk to people, and it's like, oh, that's so cool. Maybe someday. Maybe someday when my kids are grown or maybe someday when my life is left complicated. And so I hear the someday syndrome quite a bit. And it's like, and I'm always trying to tell people like, don't leave for someday what you can do now, make that commitment right now. You don't have to wait. Um, because someday, if you continue saying someday, 
you will always be saying someday. Mm-hmm. Someday you're going to run out of time. And here's something to consider, especially for parents who are raising young children. Don't put your passion off for Sunday. Your children benefit when you are a happy parent. And children need happy parents more than anything else. So it's really important for parents to dive into their passion. Bring your children along. Let them see you having fun. Let them see you enjoying life. That is the most valuable lesson you can give your children. It's so true. And being able to share your passions with your children, because you may find that they are passionate about it, too. Uh, I have I, I own a gym and we have a member at our gym that has just started obstacle racing and he has he's done one and fell in love with it. And he, he brought his kids along and they had a race for kids, too. So he had, you know, his kid, one of his kids did the race. And now he has found a thing that he loves for himself that he can share with his kids. And that makes it even better because everybody's, you know, he's happy. The kids are, are sharing in it. They're spending quality time together. So if you can find something that you can share with your kids or pass along to your kids, it just makes it even better. And I've even interviewed people on the show who found a sport because they were taking their kids to practice. Like I had, I interviewed a speed skater who became a speed skater because she was sitting on the sidelines watching her son at speed skating practice and decided, hey, I want to do this too. And then she started doing it herself and now gets to compete with her adult son. And how cool is that? Like, I love hearing these stories of people who find a passion of their own that they can share with their kids. I love that. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So a message to parents that, you know, oftentimes the, the way of thinking is my kids come first. It's all about my kids. I will take care of myself later, but you got to take care of yourself now because that will make you a better parent to your kids. It'll make you a happier person and your kids want to be around you more if you're a happier person. So find that passion and do that thing that is for you. And the side effect is you might be able to share it with your kids and it might create a tighter bond with your family. It's a beautiful message. So I want to go back to, to water skiing and particularly you doing this uh, in your fifties now. Um, have you found any unique challenges that you encounter as someone who is considered older? And I know you don't consider yourself older, but, you know, as you're in your 50s, do you find any challenges uh, when you train and and uh, participate in the sport at the level you are right now? Mm, well, the body doesn't respond as fast in terms of soreness. It takes me a little longer. <laughs> yeah, sure. But you know what? Um you know, that's just part of the sport. Just, I mean, you're crashing in the water at 42 miles an hour. Something's going to hurt. <laughs> that's so a good point. <laughs> hard for the course. Yeah. But here's the other thing is that I have found that people have underestimated what I can do. Like when I got back on the water, you know, I, I was really, really fortunate because I was trained by the very top, the very best, the world champions. And once they saw my enthusiasm, once they saw my, um, you know, my willingness to work on the water, they started pushing me. So it was really cool. And because of the encouragement and because of 
the vision, I was able to do some crazy tricks that I would never have ever thought I could do as a teenager, like barefoot backwards on one foot with the other foot in the handle. So you had people believing in you and pushing you, which caused you to push yourself farther than you imagined you could at the age you're at now. Yes, I was really fortunate to train with champions. And champions, as you both know, they train and they look at life very different from the average person. So I had to change the way I was thinking and I had to change my commitment to myself. And that for me was different and new. Yeah. Uh, how hard was it to, to transition and change your thinking into that champion mindset that was being kind of pushed upon you at that time? For me, it was hard because, first of all, I was very overweight and very out of shape. And that was hard. So I had to really change, um, you know, the way I was eating, the way I was thinking, the way I was training. And I will tell you that since I've stopped competing, it has been much, much harder for me to keep my body going and stay in shape. Can you share some specific challenges that, that you're facing right now, now that you've stopped competing? For me, um, I've gotten lazy. You know, I had to take a really hard, honest look, and I have gotten lazy. So my husband and I signed up for the gym, and we've been going and working out together. So that's been really good for us. It sounds like you guys providing that mutual support is helping you kind of get back into that routine that you need to be in. You know, everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody needs like a partner to go on the journey with. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think for people who are starting out, look for that. Look for somebody who can give you expertise. Look for somebody who will take a challenge with you. Yeah. And the great thing about sport and a lot of different sports is there are communities of people. Um, so even if you don't have a partner who is into what you're into or wants to train with you, there are others. There are running clubs for people who are running. You know, there are gyms that provide, you know, community and support. Uh, I, you know, in the obstacle racing community, I've met so many great people that, that will lend you a hand or give you advice or just say, you know what, you, you, you've got this, believe in yourself. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I also, you know, my husband and I train together, so we, we push each other and it's really nice to be able to do that. So it sounds like you've got that as well, uh, with your husband. It's wonderful that you have your husband in that corner with you. Cause I think that makes such a difference and a community does too. The Barefoot Water Skin community is really small and really tight. So I've been able to, like when I put out a request to Barefoot, I've been able to find somebody in just about every state. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when it's a small community, chances are they might know who you are because it's so tight-knit. So, you know, and especially as you're starting to travel, are you finding that people are aware of who you are and, and what you're doing? Yeah, um, especially because of social media. Social media makes the world so much smaller. So people who, you know, like barefooting, when something's out there, people tend to read it. So having that small community builds up tight connection. Yeah, for sure. So we talked about the challenges that you face. Have you discovered any benefits as you've picked up the sport again, that could only come with age? Um, wow, that is a really good question. <laughs> First of all, I have more time. 
I mean, my kids are grown and gone. So my husband and I, it, we just have to feed two of us. It's got a five of us now. So there's an advantage <laughs> right there. For sure. And being older, there's also that wisdom that comes from all the years of accumulating knowledge. I mean, you see the world so much differently at the age of 53 than you do when you're 20. So there's that. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that before from people I've talked to. And especially, you know, you're not competing anymore, but I imagine when you were competing, there is that sort of benefit of wisdom and knowledge that might have come into play as you were possibly competing against people who were younger than you. Well, as you get older, there's less and less people in the same division. So I well, there's was a benefit. always guaranteed a medal. No, that, there's a benefit right there. <laughs> There's one of those hidden benefits that at least, you know, I'm in a place in this thing because, you know, nobody else is stepping up. That's right. That's right. You should see my metal collection is pretty impressive. And all I, I had to do was stand up on the water in some cases. Right. You know, that you say that like no big deal. But, you know, there's a lot of people who couldn't stand up on water. And you did, you know, and I, I talk a lot about, you know, when I talk to people who say, well, it's like, yeah, I got first place in my age group, but I was the only one there. And it's weird. I actually recently read a story of somebody who got first and last place. Uh, so she she was last place in a, in a race she was doing. She was last place among all the women and all the participants, but still stood on top of the podium because she was the only one in her age group that showed up. And so it's like the moral of that story is you were the one that showed up. You know, you were the one that, that got up and made the decision to go compete today when nobody else in your age did. And so, therefore, you have earned a right to stand on that podium. You have earned the right to your first place medal. And hopefully, uh, between you and me, we will help encourage more people to get out and do whatever it is that ignites their passion. And maybe you'll see some more people on the water, you know, competing and more people vying for that medal. But when you were out there, it was you. That would be absolutely awesome. We're actually having a chick fest in October, so I will be competing again in cool. October. Very cool. Chick fest. Tell me about that. Yeah, it should be fun. It's um, it's just all women. We're actually combining it with the swivel skiing community. And it's just going to be a fun day on the water, all women. And we're going to attempt to go for a world record. Uh, and what is what would the world record be for? I think the most female barefooters at one time. How cool. I love that. Well, I hope you guys get that world record. That would be amazing. Um, so before we go, I ask this of all of my guests. Do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey, your life journey, uh, that you would like to share with our listeners today? That's a good question. And I think, bottom line, the real competition is you. You're really competing for yourself, for your life, for you. Make it matter. Make it your race. I love that. The real competition is you. It doesn't matter who else is out there. And sometimes the competition is just in your head trying to decide whether or not to get started. And so that's the first competitor that many of us need to battle. Mm -hmm. And so step one, get past that competitor. And then you just get out there and run your race or, you know, compete in your way or, or get on the water and just do, do the thing. Do the darn thing. That is true. 
That's a good one. Good way to wrap it up. Thank you. So finally, if someone wants to learn more about you, how can they do that? You can find me in two ways. One through yourpassionschool.com. And the other is through Karen at KarenPotts.com. All right. And those websites will both be on our webpage for the show. So it'll be in the show notes for the show and it'll be on the webpage. So, um, and your passion school is how people can work with you to unlock their passion, to figure out how to, to discover what they're passionate about and bring that into their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So if you're listening and any of this has resonated with you and you're, 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 you're listening and thinking, hmm, you know, I have, I have put something off or I haven't done, I haven't taken care of myself or I haven't been doing anything that, that sparks joy in my life or makes me feel passionate. Check out yourpassionschool.com and uh, learn more about what Karen does and how she can help you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Karen, thank you so much for being on the season athlete. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you, learning about your story and, and really connecting on a lot of the things that you and I have in common. Your mission and our mission are very, very similar. And so um, I'm happy to share your, your specific mission on the show and promote people discovering their own passion and, and really realizing that age is not the end, you know, getting older is not the end. It actually can be the beginning of so many amazing things. So thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep leading, keep inspiring, and keep walking on water. And the same to you. Keep doing your your work. Your work is so important. Thank you so much. All right, seasoned athletes. As you heard, Karen shared so many valuable and inspirational gems with us. It was really hard to narrow it down to three top takeaways but I'm going to try. Here are my three top takeaways from Karen Putz. Number one, don't let imaginary fear stop you from pursuing your passion. Karen was scared to get back in the water after her injury. Her injury sidelined her for many years, and she was also afraid of encountering alligators in the Florida waters where she would be water skiing. There are so many fears we can place in front of us so that we can allow them to prevent us from pursuing our passions. And doing something bold really can be scary. The fear is okay, but allowing it to stop you is not. Don't let the fear stop you from pursuing a passion. Number two, as we get older, we're often told to put our passions in a box and let go of the things we loved when we were younger. Now, who said that has to happen? That's antiquated thinking, and it's time for us to let that go. If you loved something when you were younger and it fuels your passion today, don't lock it up in a box. Explore it. And number three, when it comes to going after a new passion, we don't have to make huge sweeping decisions. We just have to make the right decisions in the right direction for us. Simple as that. Thanks again to Karen Putz. Learn more about how she can help you pursue your passion at yourpassionschool.com. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from someone who is making the word nerd about as cool as humanly possible, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. 
Check out our entire library of episodes and get to know our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are feeling super inspired to train like a seasoned athlete, visit rutsm.com and learn about how to train with me to help bring out the seasoned athlete in you. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.